Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. Penny May has taken a seat at my table, and I was allowing myself to listen to a pillar. Hello, my name is Teresa, and today we finally have Kay back. Yay! Hi, Kay. Hi. It's good to be back. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Good to have you back. We are reading from a book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Lou Giglio. Before we get started, I just want to share something that was very disturbing in the news this week. I think it was in Pennsylvania. It was a commuter train where people got on to go home from their jobs and stuff. A 35-year-old man sat down and was bothering a lady. I don't even know how old she was. I didn't hear the age. He raped her, took her clothes off in front of everybody. You're not safe anywhere. You think you would be safe in front of people. And what was so disturbing is nobody helped the lady. They sat there and videotaped it. And this happened for eight minutes. When the train finally stopped, a police officer had to go in and pull this guy off of this lady. And... The manager of the train station said there were enough people on the train to where they could have subdued him and held him down until this train stopped, yet no one did. If that would have been me and nobody helped, I guess my thing is whether you're male or female, you need to have mace or something on you. If you're traveling on public transportations, you would, like I said, you would think you'd be a little bit safe because of all the people that were on there. The train car wasn't overly crowded, but the manager said there were more than enough people to hold this guy down. And I just think it's very sad for that lady that she had to endure that while all those people sat there. And just for safety, I am just sharing this because I thought, wow, I'm literally going to buy me a little thing of mace. I have one that's on my keychain, but since I have a different car, I have a fob. So I don't always have that on me. So I am going to order a little thing of mace and possibly get my concealed carry because you just don't know. And it was just so sad to hear that and what that poor lady had to go through. It just breaks my heart that people taped it instead of helping her. And they went live with it. I I just, I don't know, Kay, I was just so upset over that. And I'm thinking, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. You have to protect yourself from people who are on drugs Because people who are on drugs or alcohol, they're very strong. There was enough people on there to take this guy down, but they didn't. And I I don't know. I just cannot, I just cannot comprehend letting that happen. So do you think that one of those people contacted the police though because the police was waiting? Well, there was somebody who knew there was something that wasn't right but the manager said nobody even called 911 i'm thinking that 
somebody, I can't even remember the story, I'm sorry, how that went, but there was like an employee that said something wasn't right, and I don't know how she came to that conclusion. I don't know if she she was on the train itself or whatever. So, oh, that's what it was. So she called ahead to her manager, but nobody on the train called 911 for help. So that manager reached out to the police. But if that employee wouldn't have been there, he would have got away because the police wouldn't have even been there. So, um, yeah, it was just it was just very sad. And what she's actually going to have to deal with as well, Um, reliving that over and over. And she just kept trying to break away from him. And I mean, how you would have to be on something to literally strip somebody's clothes off because there's people in the car. I just can't fathom that you would do that sober or not on drugs or whatever the case is. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just saying that for safety. Um, Traveling, we just need to keep something because if she could have gotten maybe mace or something to spray or, you know, at least keep him down or away. I don't know. I don't know, Miss K. I, do you have anything to say before we get started? Join us in prayer, you folks out there, for this lady and and those circumstances. Um, Join us in prayer. Lift this woman up. That's what I have to say. Okay, my friend. I am going to let you start out reading, Miss Kay. Okay. We are going to go into the 23rd Psalm remix. Our good friends, Jay and Catherine Wolf, met years ago as a freshman at Stanford University and soon fell in love. He was heading for a career in law, and she was literally crowned Miss Sanford, smart, beautiful, and confident. In 2004, newly graduated, they married and vowed to love each other in sickness and in health. They soon moved from Atlanta to Malibu, California, where Jay entered law school at Pepperdine University, and Catherine pursued a career in acting and modeling. For a couple of years, everything went smoothly. In 2007, they had their first child, a boy. All was going well. One afternoon, six months After Catherine had given birth, she felt dizzy and sick to her stomach. Her her hands, arms, and legs went numb. She walked into the living room to turn down the TV. She wobbled once, twice, and then suddenly collapsed. Jay was home and called 911. Catherine was rushed to the hospital and diagnosed with a massive brainstem stroke. She wasn't expected to live. To save her life, more than half of her syllabum was removed. The surgery took more than 16 hours. Catherine was 26. Miraculously, Catherine survived the sudden ordeal. Yet the story of her new normal was only beginning. For two months, Catherine lay unconscious. For 40 days, she stayed in intensive care. She had to learn how to walk talk, and eat. It took 18 months to walk again. Years of rehabilitation and recovery followed along with 10 more surgeries. Catherine's body would never fully heal from the stroke. 
Today, Catherine lives with long-term limitations. She is partially deaf and can't swallow normally or see well. Part of her face shows the effects of the paralysis. Her speech is slurred. Mostly uses a wheelchair to get around. Yet, Catherine and Jay exude a remarkable kind of faith. It's a faith deeply rooted in the confidence that there's purpose in pain. As a result, they are a huge force for the kingdom of God. Through their books and messages, they bring much hope to suffering people everywhere. Few of us have been through the depth of what Catherine and Jay have experienced, but all of us have experienced a life less than perfect. When it comes to not giving the enemy a seat at your table, we have to start by wrapping our minds around the, this difficult truth. Life is hard, yet Jesus invites us to follow him anyway. Life is really hard to be dealt that type of hand and for them to continuously praise God, serve God. They didn't give the devil a seat at their table. They literally turned it around. They've written books to help people. And sometimes when bad things happen to people, it takes them down all the way. They never recover because they just sit and they just think about it and they get angry. They get mad. They get depressed. Why me? Why me? Why me? That's that's very true, Teresa. And truly, this is an incredible example uh, before us here. Um, just to think about how deep their faith was rooted and having the confidence that there was purpose in pain. The results were huge for the kingdom of God. So God took this and turned it around for his good. He did. He does tell us that in his word also. You know, that he can. Everything. He can turn around for good. That's a hard situation. That That is a hard situation. And it might... Well, and, and even this is a hard situation. Oh, yes. Just to think about yes. at age 26, here's this beautiful woman, beautiful life, beautiful marriage, and then one day... One day, she gets off balance and doesn't even know what's going on in her life. And then to be diagnosed. In a coma. Too. Right. Yeah. Right, for, that, for that long. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that it said that when they married, that they married for, what did it say, Miss Teresa? It said that. In 2004, newly graduated, they married and vowed to love each other. In sickness or in health, that's in the vows of right. your marriage. Right. And again, I've even known people who have left their spouse because they did get sick. Yeah. He didn't leave her. And look what God did. Yeah, And she still is not fully recovered and never will. But he's by her side, God and her husband, and just giving hope to people who are sick or injured or bad things happen. So you don't, when things happen to you, you have two decisions to make. You can wallow in it and let it kill you, 
self-pity, whatever, depression, whatever. Or you can get up angry. And it you're not going to do it right away because you are going to feel sorry for yourself in a while, at least a few days. Um, haha. So those are your options. But God is always with you. And he will lift you up out of it and he will take you to a higher place. There's always people we're going to help on this earth. That's what you and I desire is through everything that we've been through and experienced is to share it so we can help people. Now, didn't you have something when you were young? What happened to you? When I was 16 years old, I had a blood clot on my brain. And they kept diagnosing me with the flu. And it started out, um, I played the saxophone in the band, and we were down at Ohio State in a band competition. And I climbed up in the back of the bus, and I hit my head pretty hard, but didn't really think anything about it. A couple days later, we were sent off to band camp. And at band camp, the first day, I just got... For sure, I was sick. I couldn't keep any of my food down. It wasn't good. So they took me to the little, you know, nurse's office or whatever there, and and she's predicting that I have the flu. And um, so I go back to my cabin and, you know, trying to, you know, thinking if it's a flu, it's going to pass, and maybe the next day I'm going to feel better. Well, it did not get better. And so they ended up taking me to the local hospital, And then my parents came up, and the doctor at the hospital said, she's got the flu. Because I was having symptoms like that. I don't know. So anyways. Did anybody ask you if you fell or hit your head or were you in an accident? No. They never asked you any of those important questions. No, they didn't. And thinking about that, I've hit my head a thousand times in my lifetime. Never thinking about that kind of thing ever happening. The family doctor back home here told me that... I had the flu. Well, my mom was a stay-at-home mom at that point, which really was a blessing. I mean, God God knew. And um, after a few days, and I, I really can't tell you the time period, you know, between um, hitting my head, going to band camp, going to the hospital, coming back home, still being told, my parents being told it was the flu. But I got to the point where I was wanting to st- sleep a lot. And then above my left eye, the blood clot was above that, it started to swell, the pressure. So it was like I had this huge blister between my eyebrow and oh, wow. my eyeball. And then my mother knew something wasn't right. And so then they took me to the hospital. And after they did a, a CAT scan, they seen that I had a blood clot. So um, they had to drain it, shave my head. <laughs> All that fun, pretty stuff when you're a teenager, huh? At age 16. <laughs> Boy, I wasn't even in my sophomore year, so I started my sophomore year with a bandana. Oh, wow. On my head. Gotcha. Yeah. So. At least you lived, huh? uh, Yes. Yeah. And I think there's many ways that God has used that uh, in my life. But I'm grateful. Very grateful for that. Okay. We would just like to say if anybody out there has been hurt or you're feeling down, are you impaired in any way? We will pray for you and ask that you use it in a positive way. 
There's power in prayer. Truly, our mission here is to help each other. God put us here for a purpose. And it's not just for ourselves. No. It's not. Heck no with the stuff we have to share. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) It's all for him. It's all for him. It's not about me. I have to remind myself that, that it is not about me. And just thinking about this book that uh, we're reading from Lou, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, I'm going to encourage you folks out there to ponder that on a daily basis. I know just today, there were several times I had to remind myself to not let Satan have a seat at my table, no matter what's happening, okay? Because the devil would love to put his hook in your mouth and drag you along, tangle up your thinking, tangle up your feelings, you know, tangle up your life, make you start feeling sorry for yourself or thinking thoughts like, you shouldn't. Right, or you're always being attacked when sometimes we take things the wrong way because we're sensitive to a certain subject or we've just gone through something really hard. That's when he will whisper in your ear as well. So just remember the phrase and don't do it. The enemy had taken a seat at my table and I was allowing myself to listen to a killer. Don't do it. Dust yourself off. Get back up. Get Be around people. Reach out. Call out. Get on your knees. Abs- absolutely, because um, God can use everything that you're going through for someone. Because we all suffer in some type of a manner, unfortunately. <laughs> There's always something... Some struggle going on. So anyway, we want to thank you for stopping by. We will see you guys next week. God bless. I'm Teresa. God bless you. I'm Kay. Bye.